scripture reading is from Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 16. Reading in Jesus' name. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more within my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is not God who works in you, or for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Here ends the reading of our scripture. Please bow with me in a word of prayer. Dear God, I just want to thank you for today, um, that we can all just come here and worship you and um, and just fellowship together. Um, sometimes this world just feels so isolating and and lonely, but uh, God, I thank you that we can all uh, come together and 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 just be be glad of of your of your salvation and what you've done for us, um, and we can share that openly and honestly. Um, thank you that we live in a place that we can share that with others as well, God. For that you just give us the courage to do so, and that um, we would be bold. Um, pray also that you would just. Um, forgive us of our sins and, and cleanse us and that um, we would just work to to give you glory, that people would see our hard work and and the good deeds that we do and that would be an attraction to you and not that we would look good in doing it, but that you would look good, God. Praising in your name, amen. Back when I was in my 20s, I went to a conference in Minneapolis and the main speaker of that conference was a man named Dave Busby. Dave was the oldest living survivor of cystic fibrosis until his death in 1997. He lived to be 49 years old. And something that he told us that night in regard to how God sees us as his children made a big impact on me. Dave was up in the Boundary Waters, which is the area between Minnesota and Canada, where there are many lakes, and he was uh, up there for a camping trip. And one night he went out into the night there and looked up into the sky, and up there without the hindrance of any city lights, he could see thousands upon thousands of different stars uh, shining through the black night. And he felt like God spoke to him in that moment. And God said to him, this is how I see my children. You are lights in the midst of a dark generation, shining forth and piercing from even a long distance away. And this powerfully impacted Dave. It made him realize how dark a world that we live in and how dramatically we stand out. We are light. We are living people walking around in the midst of dead people. Listen to Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. It says, Children, Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you 
and that you may live long in the land. And so when we look at this triad about the Christian family, we recognize that God created us in such a way where we have parents and children. He could have done it in many different ways, couldn't he have? Maybe we would have been part of a big litter or like sharks where they just go off and start feeding right away or like (laughs) different insects. And so he made us in such a way where children are born to parents and live with those parents for 18 years to however long where they're raised up and they are taught and there's this relationship that happens there. And really that was a picture that God wanted to give us of our relationship as his children to the Heavenly Father. And so we recognize once again that children and parents are a microcosm of the relationship of God and his children. And so there are certain aspects of that relationship of children to parents as Christians that you can live out that will help you to shine more brightly in a dark world, to give God the glory and to point people to their relationship with him as their heavenly father. And this morning I would like to set forth four guidelines that will help you to shine more brightly. First of all, God's children honor and obey their parents. In this relationship between parents and children, one of the first things that the outside world will know about your relationship is whether or not you honor and obey your parents. This is even seen in the relationship between adult children and their parents. Do they honor their parents? Or do they talk badly about them? Well, the old man, the old lady, they're out of touch, not progressive. Or do they honor their father and mother? And maybe they are out of touch. (laughs) Maybe there's been pain. Maybe there's been sorrow. Maybe there's been hurt. But compared to this generation, because Paul Ramsey who's an ethicist at Princeton, said, ours is the only generation in the entire history of the human life on this planet in which the elders of the tribe ask its newer members what the tribal rules and standards of expected behavior would be. The only generation where the older ones look to the younger ones for what's expected when it should be the other way around. The younger looking to the elderly of the tribe. What is expected of me? What are the rules? What are the standards? And so that's why you see in our culture such a hyper focus on achieving eternal youth. People want to be young again. They want to cover up the gray. They want to look young, dress young, be hip. We see this in culture all the time. We see it in the media, where elderly people are seen as out of touch with reality. But in God's community, the younger look to the elderly for wisdom and understanding and direction and protection from those things that can harm us. They are submissive and obedient and manageable to the elderly community. 
In 1 Timothy 3, 4, uh, it says that there are certain responsibilities that a man who is a church leader is to have. It says he must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. Let deacons, each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own household well. I want you to note here, first of all, a little bit of a difference from last week. Last week, we talked about the wife and the submission of the wife to the husband. And we recognized that that submission was given, not taken, by the husband, right? The wife willingly submits to her husband. In this situation, it's a little bit different, right? Because it says here, See that you manage and have submission from your children. Meaning there's an active thing that happens as a parent that's expecting the children to do what they're supposed to be doing. (laughs) Meaning that you have some leverage and you're supposed to use it in order to bring your children into submission. Now children, that can be easy (laughs) or hard, right? We can do this the easy way, or we can do this the hard way. And many children today want to do it the hard way. (laughs) They want to keep banging against the wall and going out and doing whatever they want to do, not obeying, not taking advice, just run out and trouble happens. But if someone came to your house today, let's say your dad was up for a deacon position, or a leadership position in the church. And if the church group came to your house and they looked at you as children and they observed your life and how your relationship was with your father, do you think he would be accepted as a deacon or not? (laughs) Do you think they would say, this guy is managing his children well? They are submitting to their father. That's a hard question, isn't it? That's a tough question as children. Sometimes it's difficult to follow your parents. They're not perfect. (laughs) Your dad isn't God. (laughs) He's not the perfect heavenly father. But it's not your responsibility to make him that. It's your responsibility to, in as much as you can, do that. Notice here that it also says, though, in the Lord, right? Some of you have fathers who are bums. They're drunks. They're abusive. Okay? But in the Lord as much as you can, right? Sometimes you might have to not obey him. I remember for myself, my wife and I went out with my grandfather and my grandmother. And my grandfather on my mom's side, Grandpa Chet, was a my way or the highway kind of guy, right? And so we sat there having dinner, and we had had two children by that point. We had Elijah and Peter. And we sat down, and he looked across at the table, and I was kind of shocked. He said, Scott, I think you should be done having children. You're going to waste your life on having all these children. You need to get going with your career because you're going to make something of yourself. And I said, Grandpa, you know, I appreciate your concern for me and whatever like that but we're going to have as many children as we feel like the Lord wants us to have. And we have Seth and Cassie. And it's funny, after they were born, (laughs) he just loved on them, and he loved them, you know, just 
as much as the other two. He wasn't like, well, he disobeyed me. And sometimes you might have to disobey your parents. You might have to go against their will. But in as much as you can, make their job easy. Because that's a great reflection upon the Lord. Let's make God's job easy, right? Not just beating against him all the time. But Lord, what, you know, what is it that you want us to do? Second thing, God's children have hearts toward their fathers. In Malachi 4, 5 through 6, it says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to the fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Now, there are many ways that God can turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. One of the ways that he turns the hearts of the children to the fathers is that they begin to work for their father's good name, their family name. How, are your, how is your family name known in the community? How is your family's name known in the community because of you? How many of you have had an older sibling that went to the school before you did? All right? You get to the school, and the teachers, are they going to say something like this? All right. Another Peterson. Yes. Or, not another Peterson. Right? Your older sibling has ruined your family name. Or upheld it. And so you have a family. You have a name. You have a name that has been written on you by God. You are a Christian. You are his child. How do you represent that out in the world? If people look at you and they say, I don't want to be a Christian because if that's what a Christian's like, forget it. Or do they say, what a peaceful, wonderful person that really upholds the name of their Father in heaven. Another thing that children do is they seek the blessing of their parents in many different areas. That's a way that God turns the hearts of the children to the Father. And one of the areas we're going to be talking about next week is in regard to a future spouse. A blessing from the parents is a great benefit to you. Another area is in the area of future career, finances, day-to-day -day decisions. Anytime you can do this, seek the blessing of your parents or the advice or the direction, it takes a stab at that heart and spirit of rebellion in our culture. Because people will say, just do your own thing. Don't get your permission from your parents. You don't need that. You're an adult. And you don't. You can go do what you want to do. But who knows you more than your parents? Have grown up walking with you and love you so very much. It's also an encouragement for us as adults who have parents. When's the last time you called mom? When's the last time you called dad? <laughs> right? Are they still alive? Grandpa and grandma. And maybe you don't have a believing mom or dad. But your relationship will be one thing that will help bring the gospel message to them. 
And so the ultimate re- this is the ultimate reason for obeying our father and mother, to honor the Lord. Now, some of you sitting here this morning have had deep hurts by your father or your mother. And obeying and honoring them is the furthest thing from your mind. Maybe you haven't even talked to them in like five years. And so for you, the biggest challenge, and really the first step, is going to be forgiveness. A true recognition that, yes, they have sinned against you, but that you have forgiven them in your heart. This took a while for me, for my dad. He left when I was four, as you know. And as you also know, the Lord moved us up here, and who happens to live in Marysville? My dad, right? Who I've been estranged to mostly my whole life. And we're having lunches together, and I had to forgive him for what he had done because it was a real hurt. We don't forgive fake things. We forgive real pain and suffering that we've undergone because of a relationship. And you know, it's really for our own benefit because unforgiveness keeps us in bondage. Luke 6, 37 says, forgive and it shall be forgiven you. Meaning, if you don't forgive, it's not going to be forgiven you, right? Unforgiveness keeps you in bondage. Don't let unforgiveness block your relationship with your heavenly father. The third thing that we see here is that God's children break the curse. Exodus 20, verses 5 through 6. There have been quite a few people that I have talked to in families where the parents don't know God and have had some major, major problems. And those children feel like they're genetically predisposed to do X, be an addict, sexual addictions, anger, whatever it might be that is kind of your family thing. But I also want you to note that there is some scriptural evidence for that. It says in Exodus 20, verse 5 through 6, you shall not bow down to them or serve them, foreign gods, for I, the Lord your God, am jealous, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. And so that's the part that says, oh, he's visiting the iniquity on the children. What does that mean? That means that their sin affects you negatively. It visits you. You have some of the same issues that your parents have. And you may have said, I will never X, right? I said this about my folks. My folks were heavy smokers. And we lived in Wisconsin, and every year during the winter, the windows were all rolled up, and there's six kids in the car, and there's the cigarette smoking, and we're choking in the back. And, you know, I said, I will never, ever smoke. (laughs) And then in the military, you know, I'm smoking. It just is the way of, the, of being in a family. You tend to catch what they had. But notice that the verse goes on. But showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. What that means is you are not bound to continue doing the things that your parents did. You can break it in your generation. You can say, in the Lord, it stops here. We won't be doing that in our family. 
and you begin a new generation of thousands who love the Lord and follow his command. And so just as sin can be passed down, as it was from our father Adam, so too blessing can be passed down to future generations. It's an exciting promise because it's broken at the cross. If you try to do it in your own strength, forget about it. If you bring it to the foot of the cross, though, and lay it there, Father, Lord Jesus, I lay this thing that has been a part of my family for as many generations back as I can see. And I need you to break this because I don't want to pass this down to my children, the pain that I've experienced. Fourth, we see that God's children love and imitate Jesus. Ephesians 5.1 says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. And so, in order to imitate God, we have to look to the God that we could see, right? God in the flesh, walking around the earth for 33 years, which is written out in the Bible here. And so as you imitate God as dearly loved children, you recognize that Jesus did certain things in relationship to his own dad, his own father. And that's the thing we imitate as dearly loved children. Not because we're scared of punishment. He no longer has given us a spirit of fear. But because we love him and he loves us. That's a game changer. I know many of you have done things in your life or not done them because you were scared of the punishment. And that's a great motivating factor. We're going to be talking about that in the next uh, triad about hell. It's much better to do things because of love. Because you love somebody. You want to honor them. You want to bless them. You want to make them proud. And so Jesus did not follow his father because he was afraid of him. (laughs) He followed him because they were of one mind and one purpose together. And so how do we model that in our families on earth? Thinking about our dad's purposes. What's your dad's vision for you? I'm talking about your earthly father. What does he see in you? What does your mother see in you? This isn't going to work if he sees for you sitting on the couch being his drinking buddy, right? I'm talking about those of you who were born in a Christian family. Your father sees a vision for you beyond what you might even see. And so I would encourage you, ask your dad, how do you see me, dad? This isn't, you know, for you dads to micromanage your kid's life in the future. It's a blessing. Man, you are a man of courage. You live on the edge. You're so artistic, whatever it might be. What a blessing that that is. And dads, ask God. When you pray for your children, God, what do you see for this person? Maybe they don't even want to hear it right now in this moment, but that doesn't stop you from praying it for happening. And the prayers of a righteous person avails much. Much. 
This is what Jesus did. He asked his father, what do you have for me today? And he walked in that perfectly on a regular basis. Many of us, when we get in our teen and early 20 years here, we tend to look to the advice and blessing of our peers more than we do our parents. And that's only natural because you're kind of ripping away from them, separating, becoming independent. But one of these days, teenagers, young adults, you're going to wake up and your mind is going to come back into your head again. And you're going to go, huh, maybe my parents weren't as dumb as I thought they were. (laughs) Maybe they actually know a few things. And usually it happens when you have your own kids that you're struggling with. (laughs) And they're doing stuff that you want them (laughs) to not do. (laughs) Better sooner than later, by the way. And so don't abandon your relationship with your parents in the midst of your chaotic years. In conclusion today, when we think of our analogy of the children of God being like stars shining forth in a black night, it makes me think of our youth group. And it makes me think of Bali and kids from America who went there and shone like lights to these other kids who were in such need. And that impact was seen this morning when you watch these kids worshiping in a foreign country where it's hostile hostile to the gospel, where things are against the gospel message. I don't know if you could see it on their faces. I could. They were shining bright. And so for you, in this place, where I think it actually can be harder because it's easy to just be lulled to sleep in our culture. Shine bright, kids. Honor your parents. And in so doing, you will honor God to the generation that is so dark around us. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the children that we have been given charge over for a time And Lord, we pray for each one of them right now. Some are not walking with you in this moment. We pray for them. Bring them back, O God. Some are struggling to hear the voice of their father and mother in this moment. Lord, open their ears. Some are distanced. Adults who are distanced from their parents, haven't spoken in years. Lord, bring forgiveness. And Lord, we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this sermon series from Elam. If you are encouraged today, would you consider supporting our online ministry through a financial contribution? Personal checks can be made out to Elam Lutheran Church and sent to 11504 26th Street, Northeast, Lake Stevens, Washington, 98258. Or you can give online at elamlutheran.net. Thank you and may God bless you the rest of your day.